everyone and welcome to another episode of the Zach Crow Sports Podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 19th and we have so many things to talk about with you. Week number six in the NFL is a wrap and we are going to be here breaking it all down. So many interesting games, so many things to talk about and we are going to get started right out of the gate. Our top takeaways from the week game to game around the league i'll give you some thoughts on each and every game we will also then go into the cowboys and patriots i'll give you some thoughts on that one the cowboys end up getting the big win in overtime we will also go to the afc north i wanted to talk about that division and give you some thoughts i watched all four teams in action this past week I'll give you some breakdowns in terms of how I feel about each team, how I feel about the future of that division, and then we will talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They beat a team in the AFC North, being the Cleveland Browns. That was a really impressive effort. I'll discuss Arizona and the culture that it looks like Cliff Kingsbury has built over the past couple years and how going into the season, even though I was pretty skeptical, Arizona, they've proven me wrong so far. They're the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL. Before I start off today's show, you guys know the drill. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L, Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3, and YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. Every segment from this podcast will be posted directly to the YouTube channel. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys listening. Without further ado, it's time to talk some football here on the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Starting off today's show, we will do it the same way we start off every Tuesday edition of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast, and that is going around the NFL with our top takeaways from week number six around the league, game to game, to game hit the music, let's do it. Thursday night football, Buccaneers beat the Eagles by a final score of 28-22. to And look, good job by Tampa Bay. I said it last week about the Rams. It is never easy to go on the road on Thursday night football, especially when it's after week three, week four, when you're banged up as a football team. It's part of what makes the NFL the best sport is even when you're playing the worst team, football is such a grind. Being on that field is such a war that players are going to get injured. And in January, at the end of the day, a lot of times the winners and champions are determined based on who's healthy. Tampa Bay got out of this game the best they could. I'm not impressed with the Eagles. I'm not really impressed with Nick Sariani as a head coach. He needs to run the ball more. I feel like Eagle fans are already losing confidence in him. Still not 100% sure if Jalen Hurts is going to end up being the answer there in Philadelphia as well. Good job by the Buccaneers getting the win 28-22. Urban Meyer wins his first career NFL game as a head coach in London as the Jaguars beat the Dolphins by a final score of 23-20. to And one thing I'll say, number one, Urban Meyer just doesn't deserve Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback because as much as Urban Meyer 
has been really bad as a head coach, and he's been a walking distraction. He was good on Sunday against the Dolphins. I think he did a really good job setting up that game-winning field goal on the final snap before Wright's kick, so shout-out to Urban there. But the Dolphins are a disgrace. I don't even think Tua Tugavailoa was really the main problem in this game, and I spoke about going in just how important this game was going to be for Miami in the sense that their quarterback was under a lot of pressure. They needed Tua to step up and lead this team more than ever. He threw one bad pick. I don't think he played bad, but the coaching and the inconsistencies of the decision-making on the part of Brian Flores is what I thought ultimately cost the Miami Dolphins in this game. He goes for it on fourth and one fine, but he has his young quarterback out of the shotgun five yards behind the line line of scrimmage. Malcolm Brown gets stuffed. The Jaguars take it down the field from there and win the game. Good job by Urban Meyer, but I'm so disappointed in the Dolphins. This is a team that I obviously expected to be much better, and after two really solid years, I thought, for Brian Flores to start his head coaching career in Miami, I feel like that fan base is about to flip on him quickly. The Chiefs go into Washington and beat the football team by a final score of 31-13. to And a couple of thoughts on this one. I just think the Chiefs looked themselves in the mirror in the second half after playing, which, let's face it, was a terrible half of football in half number one. They just looked themselves in the mirror and said, all right, enough is enough. This can't happen anymore. We are too good of a football team to be playing this badly. And they ended up beating Washington, really running them off of the field in the second half. Mahomes still is turning the ball over. And I think if Kansas City ultimately wants to get back to the promised land of the Super Bowl, one, their defense obviously has to play better, which I think it did play solid. I get it. It's against Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. I don't think this this is an appropriate game to measure the Chiefs because the game in this situation was one they should have obviously won by a lot. The Chiefs are just a significantly better football team than Washington. They proved that in the second half. The football team's defense continues to be very disappointing. And after one year of Ron Rivera doing a really good job and turning around the culture and the image and what we thought were improved working environments with Washington, already it starts off. The Chiefs have now won eight straight games against Washington, and I didn't love retiring Sean Taylor's number. We know the only reason why they did it, to make their organization look good after what has been a terrible week off the field for that Washington football team. They're in trouble. Their defense was overrated. Good job, Kansas City, finding a way to go in there and leave with the win. MetLife Stadium, the Rams 38, the Giants 11. The Giants are a disgrace, and I get it. Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Katarius Tony got hurt in this game, and once he left, the Giants never really had a realistic chance in this one, but this game wasn't even close. You know, Daniel Jones, at home in his career, has a record now of 4-18, and and I think Daniel Jones is going to be a quarterback in the NFL for a very long time. He's going to be a good backup, but the Giants took him with the top 10 pick. Dave Gettleman also took Saquon Barkley with the number two overall pick when his chance, when his team realistically had no chance of winning anything. And that is why I don't love ever drafting running backs in the first round. It cost the Giants and they are just a team right now. They, their defense isn't great. Their offensive line isn't great. Their quarterback isn't great. They've been injured all over the place. And I do think by season's end, the best move with Big Blue might just be to rebuild and blow it all up. Joe Judge 
he's a decent coach. He's an all right coach, but his stick is getting old and he doesn't seem like a guy that has proved enough to stay if you're going to fire Dave Gettleman, which needs to happen badly because, man, none of the moves he has really made so far has paid off and helped the Giants in a, in a good way. They've been the worst team in the NFL, really, since they won that second Super Bowl in 2011. The Giants are too good of an organization to be this embarrassed. Good win for the Rams. I think they're still one of the three best teams in the NFL. Never really had trouble in this one. The Colts, they get back in the victory column. They beat the Houston Texans by a final score of 31-3. to to And Davis Mills, he played good in the game against the Patriots. But it was clear that in this one, the Colts defense just went to work. And this was a game the Colts needed to win. I understand the Titans won on Monday Night Football last night. And in terms of who is going to win the AFC South, that's a conversation we'll get into a little bit later. But this was the first time all season that the Indianapolis Colts actually looked like the team that I expected them to be in the preseason. Carson Wentz played great, hitting with Paris Campbell on the long touchdown. T.Y. Hilton is back, which is a great sign for the Colts. Their defense looked good. Um, look, this is a team that with Carson Wentz has looked better. He hasn't really been the problem. And if they could have just found a way to hold on and win that Monday night game against Baltimore, maybe we're having a totally different conversation when it comes to this Indianapolis Colts team. But they're going to be on the road next Sunday night in San Francisco. If they could just find a way to win that one, I'll be willing to legitimately put their name back in the playoff discussion, the AFC South discussion, but that's not going to be an easy game. This one against Houston, when you've struggled to win games, was the one they had to have. Luckily for the Colts, they did. A game that we're also going to get into a little bit later when we break down the AFC North, the Bengals. They go into Detroit and beat the Lions. Final score of 34-11. to The Bengals have now won seven consecutive games against the Detroit Lions. And even though the score says 34 to 11, the Lions really couldn't score points until late in the fourth quarter. After the game, we saw Dan Campbell call out Jared Goff and just say flat out, he needs to be better. And I totally understand the Lions are a team that none of us really expected to be any good this year. They're a team historically that has had a lot of trouble being able to win football games. But at the same time, at least throughout the first couple weeks of the season, they were competitive. And I think Jared Goff is the kind of quarterback where like, they were winning games in LA and Sean McVay had enough of them. We saw last year that in a must-win playoff game against Seattle, like he started John Walford over Jared Goff. That told me all I need to know about the future of him with the Detroit Lions. They're paying him a lot of money. They're going to need a new quarterback by the time the season ends. But the Lions at 0-6, just when you think they have at least played competitive football and they're due for a win, something like this happens. We saw it a couple weeks ago against the Bears as well. And the Bengals are a really good team. I think their defense is underrated. Joe Burrow is playing like a star at quarterback. And they are a dangerous team going forward. The chemistry between Burrow and Chase is great. I still don't 100% trust Zach Taylor as a viable head coaching option in the NFL. But Joe Burrow is legit. And he's going to be able to win a lot of football games for the Bengals going forward. As long as he's just hopefully able to stay healthy. The Packers. They go into Soldier Field and beat the Bears by a final score of 24-14. to This moves their record to 5-1. The Bears are now 3-3. Three and three. And look, I was impressed with Chicago. They're, especially their defense. I like the young kid, 
Khalil Herbert they used at running back as well. But after time went on, it was just inevitable that in this situation, the Packers were the better team. Aaron Rodgers balled out. You guys know the clip I'm talking about. Him saying, I own you. I own you to all of the Chicago Bears fans. The Packers have now won 19 of their last 22 games against the Bears. So it really just tells you that Aaron Rodgers, he wasn't lying. He has played great football over the uh, against the Bears over the last couple of years. And look, I've been impressed with the Packers. We know that this was a team that going into the regular season, it wasn't really going to matter what they did, even if they were able to find a way into the playoffs, just because they've been able to win regular season games over the past couple years. But what I've been impressed with is after they got punched in the mouth uh, in week one against New Orleans, they've been back here just finding ways to win football games. It hasn't been easy. They've been in a lot of battles. They've been in a lot of close games, but still... No matter what the circumstances are, they're just finding ways to win football games, which is never easy. That is something Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have really been doing since they both got to Green Bay. That's a nice job by the Packers. They are now 5-1. and one. And even though Aaron Rodgers hasn't been playing the great MVP football he did last year, still the Packers are only a game back of home field advantage in the NFC. I know they play Arizona on a Thursday night in a couple weeks. That is going to be must-see TV. Can't wait for that one. Speaking of must-see TV, the game of the week for a lot of people going into week number six of the NFL season was the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Ravens ended up getting the win 34-6. Lamar Jackson is now 9-0 in the month of October. He is the only quarterback since the 1970 merger with five-plus starts and zero losses in that month. And we're going to get into this game a little bit later when we talk about the AFC North. But the Ravens are just a really good team right now. They are so hard to stop. We know that going into this game, the Chargers offense was looking like that unstoppable force. Everyone was talking about Brandon Staley and obviously, appropriately so, just how great of a start that he has had so far this season with the Chargers. But the Ravens just put their foot on the gas pedal from start to finish and were able to take control of this game. And we're really impressive while doing it. Lamar Jackson is playing the best football of his career, which is hard to say when he's already won an MVP. He's already been able to win so many regular season games. But with Hollywood Brown stepping his game up and playing great football, along with the Ravens offensive line, I feel like each week I watch it, it's improving, it's getting better. And Lamar is just playing so good. He's the kind of quarterback that even when your team is having an off night and getting their ass kicked, like the Ravens were during that Monday night game against the Colts. He's so good that he's going to be able to dig you out of a hole and just find a way to win football games. And I think he's just getting better as a passer, which is a great sign if you're a fan of the Ravens. Moving on to the next game, we will go to the final 1 o'clock game. This game was an overtime finish. The Vikings go into Carolina and beat the Panthers. Final score of 34-28. to After a 3-0 start, the Panthers have now faltered to 3-3. We are starting to see Sam Darnold just look like a much different quarterback without the presence of Christian McCaffrey. And look, good job by the Vikings. 
This was a team that going into the season, I was feeling pretty skeptical about. They had some 6-11 and 11 vibes to me. I did think that it was appropriate, and I still think it is, that by the time the season ends, they should move on from Mike Zimmer as a head coach. But still, their offense is really good. It's really resilient. And there were many times throughout this game where I was just thinking to myself, wow, the Vikings really just threw this game away when they had an opportunity to end it being up by eight, they, your defense lets Carolina drive right down the field, but they were able to stay committed. They were able to stay focused. Having Dalvin Cook in the lineup is a huge difference maker, and the Vikings are able to find a way to get a big-time win over the Carolina Panthers, and now both of these teams have the same record at 3-3. Three and three. Um, the Vikings defense still has a lot to be desired for. So does their head coach. I'm not 100% sold on them as a playoff team just yet. But hey, they easily sh- could have beat the Bengals in week one. They really should have beaten the Arizona Cardinals in week two if their kicker could have made a 37-yard field goal. And I do think considering the amount of talent they have on the offensive side of the ball, they're always a team that is going to have a chance to win any game they play. But they are just so up and down. I also feel like they're always going to be in contention to lose any game they play. Good job by Minnesota, though, going on the road to Carolina and winning. And the Panthers, as much as I love Matt Rule, as much as I love Sam Darnold, as much as I thought I love this defense, the Panthers' offensive line is not a strength. And when you put pressure on Sam Darnold, he is the kind of quarterback that could fold and just make some costly, costly mistakes. I do think when it comes to Carolina, they need to be careful and they need Christian McCaffrey back more than ever. It's tough now after the 3-0 start for them sitting at 3-3. Let's go to the 4 o'clock window. Good job by Arizona. They go into Cleveland and beat the Browns by a final score of 37-14. They are now 6-0 for the first time since 1974. And Kyler Murray is just playing phenomenal football. He is the kind of quarterback where it makes you say, wow, the decision by Steve Kime was well worth it when they decided to move on from Josh Rosen and take someone else with that number one overall pick only a year after drafting the guy that they thought was the QB of the future. And Arizona, I was impressed by really their culture. We saw in the playoffs last year, Cleveland going into Pittsburgh when their head coach Kevin Stefanski test positive for COVID and they were able to build some momentum, build the culture, stick to the game plan and win in Pittsburgh, a place where historically they never win. And in this situation, the Arizona Cardinals were able to do the same thing. Their offense has been so good. It has traveled. They have now beaten two of the premier teams on the road with the Rams and with the Browns. And it is a skill. It was always impressive for me to see a West Coast team like Arizona find a way to go on the road and win in a tough environment like Cleveland. Arizona is a squad that they've always had talent, but now it looks like they're committed. It looks like they're all on the same page. And even without Cliff Kingsbury, they're able to find a way to go into Cleveland and win. Really good job by Arizona. I have my concerns about the Browns. They're super banged up. They have a tough Thursday night game coming up this week at Denver, which we will get into later once again when we take a deep dive into the AFC North. The next four o'clock game, let's go to Mile High Stadium in Denver. And shout out to the Las Vegas Raiders 
who find a way to beat the Broncos 34-24. to The game wasn't even that close. And look, we know everything that has been surrounding this Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raider team in recent days. With John Gruden stepping down, this was the first game for new interim head coach Rich Bisaccia, and he had his team ready to play. The Raiders started off 3-0. They were going into this game 3-2. Same thing with Denver, so you knew going in, the implications for this game were big. The loser wasn't going to be feeling particularly good about themselves, and the Raiders' offensive talent came to play. Derek Carr showed you that he is the better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, and he, with a little bit of protection against a very good Raiders defense, or Broncos defense, shout out to the Raiders' offensive line, he was able to hang in the pocket, make all of the right throws. Henry Ruggs is a guy that every time I watch him, he seems to be getting better and better, and that was a good job by the Raiders. That's a mentally tough win right there. I feel like not many teams in the NFL would have been able to find a way to win that game after everything the Raiders as a team has dealt with over the last couple days. Hunter Renfro, phenomenal. They ran the ball a little bit. Kenyon Drake had a nice game. Max Crosby is an absolute menace and a difference maker, a game changer on the defensive side of the ball. That's a really good job by the Las Vegas Raiders. How about the Dallas Cowboys, they find a way to end their New England curse. This is another game we will be taking a deep dive into a little bit later in the show. But Dallas beats New England uh, 35-29 in overtime. C.D. Lamb, the game-winning 35-touchdown reception. And I like what Dallas is doing. You feel like over the last couple weeks, they have just came to play. But what impressed me about them in this one is that in a situation where historically they don't always win, what has worried me about Dallas more than anything, despite their great start to the season, is I've seen Mike McCarthy just screw up so many games and so many big-time spots and just not really have his team ready to play and ready to execute. That is my one fear when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. And in this game, he was fine. He was competent. I do trust Kellen Moore as a play caller and just the overall level of talent on this Dallas Cowboy team. It is super impressive. Trevon Diggs finds a way to get another interception. Um, New England, it's a tough loss. I do think that it is an all right sign that you've played some of the best teams in the NFC, like Dallas and like Tampa, and you're still at least competitive. But at the same time, it is frustrating in the sense that you could have easily won either of those two games if a couple bounces go your way. This is the kind of game with Tom Brady we saw New England always just find a way to win. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that. They're sitting at 2-4 and four in a tough AFC. Sunday Night Football, the Steelers find a way to beat the Seahawks in overtime as well. They end up getting the win in that one by a final score of 23-20. to 20. Chris Boswell kicks the game-winning 37-yard field goal in overtime, and my main takeaway from this one is, look, the game shouldn't have been this close. Geno Smith with a journeyman running back in Alex Collins. Seattle's defense is not very good, and they still almost found a way to win. Pete Carroll will always have his team with Russell Wilson, without Russell Wilson, in a somewhat competitive spot. But the Steelers' defense did exactly what they had to do. Better late than never. They take over. T.J. Watt is worth every penny, and... We'll see what happens with the Steelers. They're now sitting at 3-3. Three and three. They are still very much alive in the AFC playoff picture after being written for dead following their loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Ben Roethlisberger just didn't screw up. I feel like at this point in his career, that's all what we could really ask for him for from him. And the Steelers' defense is just that good. Najee Harris looks like a very good player. We'll see what happens with Pittsburgh and Seattle. NFC West is tough. They are now at two and four, four full games behind the Arizona Cardinals. And as good as Geno Smith could be, things aren't looking great. Of course, just when Geno gets put into the fold, Seattle is thrown three consecutive primetime games. They'll be home Monday Night Football next week against the Saints. That should be a good one watching Geno, but I think the Seahawks are in trouble. It might just be a transition year for them without Russ. And then finally, good job by the Titans finding a way to beat the Buffalo Bills by a final score of 34-31. to Derrick Henry, 130-plus rushing yards. And three touchdowns in two consecutive games. And what made this game so good is that the two best players on the field were Derrick Henry and Josh Allen. And they were just throwing punches and punches and punches at each other. And I don't have any problem with Sean McDermott trying to win the game on that fourth and inches call. It's unfortunate with how it ended. Josh Allen slipped. The Titans defense, which has been much maligned over the past couple years, finally finds a way to make a play. And despite trailing for a big portion of the game, Tennessee finds a way to win. Ryan Tannehill, who hasn't been great so far this season, hangs in there. And Tennessee, even though they've lost to the Jets, even though they got blown out by Arizona, they're still sitting at 4-2 and two and now have the same record as Buffalo, which a lot of people consider to be the best team in the AFC. And now the top dog in the AFC record-wise with a record of 5-1, and one, is the Baltimore Ravens. Despite all the injuries they've had, they are now record-wise the best team in the AFC. Buffalo, I'm not worried about them going forward. I was really impressed with what they were able to do against Kansas City. This was for the first time all season that their defense folded, but against a guy like Derrick Henry, that's just a tough dude to tackle. Really good job by Tennessee finding a way to win. That atmosphere, that crowd in Nashville was electric. One of the better football games I've watched this season, the primetime games, always find a way to deliver. Really good job by Tennessee beating Buffalo 34-31. And that has been Around the NFL in week number six. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, it is time to talk about the game of the week in week number six in the NFL, that Sunday 425 game here on the East Coast, and the Dallas Cowboys find a way to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots by a final score of 35-29 to in overtime via the walk-off touchdown from C.D. Lamb. After this win, Dallas now moves to 5-1. and one. The Patriots move to 2-4. and four. And I think the main takeaway for me after watching this game is that over the past 20 years as football fans, I feel like this is the kind of game we've seen, especially from these two teams, whether they're playing each other or not, so many times. Over that span, the Patriots, led by Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, have been in so many of these games where it's close, it's on a a big stage where most of the country is watching, and historically the Patriots were always able to just use their brilliance that has won them six championships during that time span as well, and just find a way to get out of the spot, especially if that spot is in Foxborough, Gillette Stadium. And that's a game they usually just always found a way to win when Tom Brady was there. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, not going to lie. This is kind of a similar situation for them, but in the opposite direction. Over the 
course of the last 20 years, I feel like this is exactly the kind of game where everyone is interested in watching the Dallas Cowboys and they would just always be able to find a way to lose by messing up in that situation. And finally, the Cowboys are able to find a way to go into New England and end that curse. that they have been trying to break for a while now. Do you guys know that the last time the Cowboys actually went into Foxborough, Massachusetts and won a football game was over 25 years ago? Jerry Jones historically has not been able to go on that private jet of his leaving Boston with a victory and good job by the Cowboys finding a way to win. And a couple things. Number one, I've been very critical of the Patriots on this show over the last couple weeks. This was a Patriot team that, keep in mind, I did think that they made the right decision going with Mac Jones at starting quarterback over Cam Newton. The problem was when you draft a quarterback in the first round, I think that you need to take a guy that you think could get better and develop over time. And even though Mac Jones is very pro-ready, I do think he looks comfortable in an NFL offense and he is going to be a quarterback in this league for a very long time. I just don't know if he is a guy that right now, if my team had him as their young franchise quarterback, I'd feel particularly excited about. Just because I think we've seen in this game and really other games that he just has a ceiling. And he, for my standards, has probably been the best rookie quarterback so far. He has made the least amount of mistakes, and I totally understand that a lot of that has to do with the situation he's in. Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, I know the weapons aren't ideal, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But at the same time, I do think Mac Jones has done uh, about what I've expected him to do. He's been solid. The Patriots have been very competitive. But the narrative going into this season for the Patriots was very simple. We saw what Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were able to do in the first year of Brady and Belichick apart from each other, right? We saw that the Buccaneers were able to bring in Tom Brady. We saw that he was able to change the culture in that locker room. And all of a sudden, you turn around after one year and the Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions. And last year was a little bit of a disappointing season for the New England Patriots. Historically, Bill Belichick in his career actually has a losing record when his quarterback is not named Tom Brady. And even though Mac Jones is the rookie quarterback for the Patriots, the Patriots spent a lot of money in the offseason. And that told us a couple things. Number one, it told us that Bill Belichick, to be quite honest, was just tired of losing. He needed to find a way to get this Patriot team back to their old ways of just finding a way to win football games. And by bringing in Matthew Judon, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, this Patriot team uh, spent a lot of money in free agency, which historically is not really something Bill Belichick does. And the problem I had is even though Belichick evolved a little bit as a general manager by finally uh, by finally being willing to spend this money, it didn't really come with the threats. When you're spending that much money on weapons, I would prefer it to be on guys that really scare me as a defensive coordinator. And really, that's my problem with the Patriots team is that I've said over many times on the on the past on the show over the past couple of weeks that okay, 
The Patriots, they just have not done a great job constructing the roster and putting talent around the quarterback position. It's really one of the main reasons why Tom Brady ended up leaving. And I still agree with that. I do think if Belichick, as a general manager, did a better job surrounding the quarterback position with weapons, then maybe Tom Brady would still be here. And I like Matt Jones, but I feel like that's the problem that a lot of people are failing to realize with this Patriot team, is that even though Mac Jones is fine for what he is, he... You can make the argument has maybe overachieved so far during his time as Patriots starting quarterback. They're trying to recreate the wheel with Mac Jones, Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry when they had Tom Brady on their team not too long ago. And we saw the success that Tom Brady was able to bring this New England Patriot franchise. And look, I was guilty as anyone when I said, wow, Tom Brady, when he left New England, I really didn't know how much he had left. But at the same time, I did know at the back of my mind, The Patriots' weapons were really not ideal. You can make the argument that Bill Belichick, the general manager, really did fail Tom Brady, the quarterback, especially in his early 40s when even though Tom Brady's the GOAT and he's such a great player, we're seeing in Tampa Bay, in order for him to be at his best at this age, he needs help. And that was a compliment I had for Brady is that he determined at this point in his career, the best fit for him would be to go to a team like Tampa Bay with as many weapons as possible. And in New England, they just don't have that. The Patriots defense has been fine. Part of why I believe New England was a little bit just non-competitive at some moments last year was not only the quarterback position, but also their defense. They did lead the NFL in number of players lost due to the COVID opt-out. Getting guys back like uh, Kyle Van Noy and the development of Kyle Duggar, who had a big interception in the game yesterday. Adding Matthew Judon. Patrick Chung is back. The Patriots defense is legitimately good. And New England, one thing I'll say about them, even though I've been very critical of the Patriots, they still have found themselves in competitive games late with one of the best teams in the NFL in Dallas, with one of the best teams in the NFL in Tampa Bay. I just think missing that big dynamic playmaker at quarterback and even at some of the other skill position players has cost New England. In this particular game, I was impressed with Mac Jones. As soon as he throws the pick six to Trayvon Diggs, who, by the way, we're going to get into the Cowboys soon, that was a difference-making play. Trayvon Diggs is the kind of player where every time you watch him play, you just ask yourself, how the hell did this guy go undrafted all the way until the second round and good for the Cowboys for finding a way to pick him up? Adding him and C.D. Lamb in the same draft is some great, great drafting by Jerry Jones. And as a general manager, look, I feel like sometimes we talk about Bill Belichick as a general manager. And even though we all know that deep down, he hasn't done a great job over the past four or five years, we'll never criticize him. But then Jerry Jones, we see him as a general manager and we're like, what is this guy doing? The only owner that is also a GM. But with that being said, I think it is time to give Jerry Jones some credit for the way this Cowboy roster is assembled. They're not perfect. I totally understand that. Every time I watch the Cowboys play, I still think that there's a chance Mike McCarthy could just cost them the game and mess everything up. However, I really do like the way this team is playing and the way this team is built. How did C.D. Lamb 
last all the way till the mid-teens in the 2020 draft? How did Diggs last until the second round? And Jerry Jones has found a way to add big-time players in the draft that a lot of other general managers around the NFL, they can't really say that and tell you that with a straight face. And I think when you combine those two guys, when you combine a quarterback like Dak Prescott, another decision that Jerry Jones has made that so far has looked pretty good, committing to Dak Prescott long-term as the Cowboys starting quarterback looks like a move that right now is helping out the Dallas Cowboys. Dak looks confident. I know he had the hamstring injury towards the back end of the game, but hopefully he should be able to be okay after that. And I really like the way Dallas is playing. We said going into the season, there was no reason why they wouldn't be able to win the NFC East. I didn't necessarily pick it just because I didn't trust Mike McCarthy, but Dallas has done this many times this season, not in the game against New England, where they've just shown up to games they're supposed to win going in and just, quite frankly, kick some ass. And that's what they've been doing, uh, like in the game against Philadelphia, like in the game against Carolina and many others. And when we will get teams in the top of the NFC right now, Dallas, I believe, deserves to be in that conversation going on the road to Foxborough, a place where, to be quite honest, they never win. They never really play well. And in a game where they got punched in the mouth a couple times, the Patriots were winning for the majority of the first half. After the big Kendrick Bourne touchdown, you really weren't sure if the Cowboys were mentally tough enough to recover from that. It's easy to be going well when your team is out here playing great, running other teams out of the building. The question is, when times get tough and you're able, your team needs you to make a play, are you going to be able to do that? And C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs, Greg Zerwan kicking the game-tying 49-yard field goal, that is exactly what the Cowboys have been able to do. And it's crazy because these two game, these two teams in this game looked pretty close. The talent level Obviously, Dallas is the more talented team, but New England was very competitive. The game in Foxborough obviously mattered. And still, you look at the feeling between these two teams right now. Dallas is legit. I believe they're a Super Bowl contender. Dak Prescott is playing phenomenal football. But when you look at the Patriots, even though they've played in some very close games against some really good teams, I don't think the feeling should be all positives around them right now just because as good as Mac Jones has been so far and he's been decent, I still would not be happy that you let Tom Brady get away uh, as your quarterback of the Patriots because I would have a hard time believing that unless Mac Jones just becomes the next big thing, that this Patriot team is going to be able to win another championship with Bill Belichick at the realm. The quarterback position, it really just shows you how important it is and you need a good quarterback, and you need a game-changing player at quarterback. The Dolphins last year learned that lesson with a great defense. Tua, they're already considering giving up on him, and Mac has been good, but it still hasn't really been able to get the job done in terms of winning. One other quick thing, I don't think the Patriots do a lot by their actions to show us they believe in Mac Jones. I feel like every third down and long play with him, they keep it super conservative. Those are also the plays you got to make late and deep in games, especially when they're close in order to get the job done and win. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, there is a division in the NFL that I think just as a whole, when you look at all four teams, is super interesting. And I wanted to do 
a breakdown of it. And that is the AFC North, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bengals all pick up wins this week in the division. The Browns end up getting the L, the only team in the division to get an L. They've been having some trouble. They're now sitting with a record of 3-3. Three and three. The Steelers, with their win over Seattle on Sunday Night Football, are looking at a record of 3-3. Three and three. And the Ravens and the Bengals, two teams that actually play this upcoming week number seven, they are going to face off and both of them are tied at the top of the AFC North with a record of four and two, or actually the Bengals are four and two. They're not tied. The Ravens are five and one, excuse me. So the Ravens by themselves in first place with a win, the Bengals would tie them and with the tiebreaker have the advantage. So that game is going to be huge on Sunday. But I wanted to talk about all four teams in this division, and it's funny because going into the season, I predicted Cleveland would be the team that would end up winning the division, and now they find themselves two games back of Baltimore, and I have some takes and thoughts on all four of these teams that I wanted to share. Right now, I'll say it. Baltimore looks like the clear best team in this AFC North, and that is so impressive considering how this season started for the Baltimore Ravens. They suffered some devastating injuries leading up to the start of the season, right before the season really started in that week gap, losing guys like Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins. It was terrible. And even with those injuries, I feel like it's made Lamar Jackson really more responsible and become a much more balanced quarterback. He has won games throwing the football for the Ravens like we saw uh, last Monday night against the Indianapolis Colts. He has decided he could win games running the ball and the Ravens are just a team that has so much momentum right now and they are finding ways to win football games and that is really exactly what they've done since Coach Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson have teamed up and the playoffs are obviously a huge question mark for this Raven team, but I do think as much as Lamar Jackson has improved as a passer, that will help the Ravens come playoff time. I do think that as a team and as an offense in general, they're much more versatile. They could beat you in many different ways, which is how some of the best teams end up winning in the NFL. Baltimore's defense is a little bit down per their own standards, but really when you have a quarterback that is playing as well as Lamar Jackson so far over the last couple games, it honestly hasn't even mattered. That's how good a football Lamar Jackson is playing at quarterback. The Cincinnati Bengals are a team that I think deserves a lot of credit. They are sitting with the record of four and two. They go into Detroit and come up with a big time blowout win over the Lions. And I think we should start taking these Cincinnati Bengals seriously as a legitimate playoff contender. Every year in the AFC, really the NFC also, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like we see teams kind of come out of nowhere that really going into the season we had no realistic expectations for in terms of their playoff possibilities and I think the Bengals are a team that when we look at them right now they have a clear formula to win right to start off they have Joe Burrow who in my opinion is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and every time I, wa I watch him the more I like him he is playing at an elite level right now and he is the kind of quarterback where as long as you have him you're going to have a chance to win the football game and in going into this week number six game on the road against the Detroit Lions there were plenty of people that actually predicted 
that the Lions would win this game. You saw Dan Campbell, their head coach, following their just devastating, heartbreaking loss to the Vikings last week. He's crying on the podium, and everyone thought, oh, the Bengals, even though they've had a pretty good start to the season, they're going to go into Detroit, and the Lions are going to play hard. The Lions have been competitive in each and every game. They've played under Dan Campbell so far. This is finally going to be the game at home against the Cincinnati Bengal team that a lot of people just thought weren't really ready to win and take that next step. A lot of people did pick the Lions to win that game, and Joe Burrow shut that talk up pretty quickly. He was hitting all of his wide receivers. The chemistry that he has between himself and Jamar Chase has been great. A lot of people didn't love the Bengals' selection of Jamar Chase, including me. I thought the offensive line would be the move. Panay Sewell would have looked good protecting Joe Burrow, especially when... Burrow was coming off of the devastating knee injury last year, but that really hasn't affected him. The offensive line has gotten the job done. They're giving Joe plenty of time, and he has that chemistry with Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins is back healthy making plays. The tight end, Uzama, has been one of the bigger surprises of the NFL season so far. I've been super impressed with the Bengals. Their defense also is getting the job done. Logan Wilson leading that group of linebackers. They bring in Trey Hendrickson. They bring in Von Bell, a couple of guys who used to play for the New Orleans Saints. They also have a Awujie from Dallas at corner. The Bengals have some guys on defense that are experienced, that have been in winning locker rooms, that has pushed them over the top as a possible surprise team in the NFL. I really like what the Bengals have done so far. I still don't exactly know if Zach Taylor going forward is going to be the proper coach to take Joe Burrow along with this team to the promised land. He's done some things throughout their first couple football games in terms of decision making that I haven't loved, but still their quarterback has just been so good that they've been able to find a way to win these football games. And I'm going to be curious to see, excuse me, what they do going forward against the Baltimore Ravens that game on the road in Baltimore we did just see what the Ravens did to the Chargers dominating them from start to finish the Chargers were a team that going into that spot a lot of people were starting to label as the real surprise team in the AFC the sleeper team that could surprise people and make a deep playoff run but the Ravens shut down that talk pretty quickly now I think after their win and pretty good start to the season. I'm going to be curious to see if people are going to be doing the same thing about the Cincinnati Bengals. But hey, I think they're a team that right now is worthy of being in second place in the AFC North. Cleveland, they suffer a bad loss to the Arizona Cardinals. And we are actually going to end today's show talking about the Arizona Cardinals and just how impressive their 6-0 start has been. But the Browns, this was a disappointing game for them, no doubt about it. And I totally understand that the injuries really got to Cleveland, right? Jarvis Landry, he didn't play in this game. Both of the Browns tackles, Conklin and Wills, part of what made Cleveland, in my opinion, one of the more improved teams in the NFL last year was that on a consistent week in and week out basis, their offensive line was really able to dominate games last year and they were able to run the football behind them, use clock, use time of possession with a decent defense and a decent quarterback, nothing special, but their possession of the clock was able to get the job done. The time of possession was one stat that Cleveland really was able to dominate last year. So far this year and really in this game against Arizona, what killed Cleveland was that you blinked and you were down 20 to nothing right off the bat to start and 
Arizona, that is an offense that is so good that when you get down 20 to nothing, to be quite honest, it is just hard to find a way to come back and win those kind of football games. And they got the Hail Mary, Cleveland did. They were missing Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt got hurt. And Cleveland was just super banged up. And this was a spot where... Cleveland needed their quarterback to come in and make plays. Cleveland suffered a devastating heartbreak loss to the Los Angeles Chargers in week number five. That was a game that really could have gone either way, even though Justin Herbert played great in that spot and Brandon Staley, the Chargers, their great story. I do think Cleveland's defense let them down in that game. And the Browns defense, I think overall has a unit, has been a much more improved unit Uh, this year than from what we've seen last year but when their defense isn't playing good their quarterback isn't playing great and their offensive line in the running game is just super banged up this brown team could find themselves very vulnerable like they did on sunday against the arizona cardinals and look arizona's a really good team they might just be the best team in the nfl for all i know i did like cleveland going into the game considering kyler murray was banged up considering at home this was a game that cleveland really needed and unfortunately right now they are sitting with a record of 3-3 three and three and looking super banged up. Baker Mayfield, for the second time this season, has gotten hurt mid-game. I respect his, t- his toughness that he wasn't really able to take a snap off, and he stayed in there the whole game. He threw the Hail Mary. But now, if you're Cleveland, you have a tough, tough spot. Thursday night football, it's good that the game is at home, but you're taking on a Denver Bronco team that is now all of a sudden, after a 3-0 start, they've lost four games in a row, and they're going to be desperate to come into your building and get a win. I might be a little bit worried about Cleveland, Kareem Hunt, and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa have now been placed on injured reserve. Nick Chubb has officially also been ruled out against the Denver Broncos. So right now, the Cleveland Browns are going to be missing both of their starting running backs going into that game. If you play fantasy football, you're really going to want to keep an eye on that Browns uh, running back situation right now. Dearness Johnson is the next guy up, Demetric Felton, on that team as well as a back. But Cleveland, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty worried. They're super banged up. This was a team that stayed relatively healthy last year. And the way the Ravens and the Bengals are playing, who knows what Cleveland's future holds. I think they just need to find a way to buckle down and just get into the playoffs. Playing in the AFC North is never easy. And after a good 3-1 and one start, they are now at 3-3. Three and three. The Steelers are also 3-3. Three and three. I'll give them credit. Somehow, some way, they find a way to get a win on Sunday night football over the Seahawks. That was a game they easily could have lost. You will get Pittsburgh's upcoming schedule. They will be at Cleveland coming up next week. They have the bye this week. They'll then host Chicago, host Detroit, and go to the Chargers. If they could go 2-2, two and two, maybe even 3-1 and one if they're lucky in their next four games, Pittsburgh could be right in the conversation. One thing we know about the Steelers is that their defense is good enough to win games. And TJ Watt on Sunday night won that game literally by himself, forcing the turnover late in overtime. The Steelers take advantage, kick the game-winning field goal by Chris Boswell for the win. And the Steelers end up getting the job done. Um, Look, I think their quarterback is just super limited. When you play against some of the best teams in the AFC, I just don't really think Ben Roethlisberger, given the state he's in, in the current form he's in right now, in his career, wait, I just think the Steelers... That quarterback play will ultimately hold them back, but their defense, we saw what they did to a really good Buffalo's Bills team in week one. We saw their defense is good enough to win them a game like they did on Sunday against Seattle. 
I just think the NFC, the AFC North is such an interesting division right now that really any four of these teams have a realistic chance and they each have a particular strength. Steelers, defense, Browns, they're a really good team in terms of their depth. They're well coached, but they run the ball. And now with their running backs out, are they going to be able to take advantage of that spot that they're usually very sharp in. The Bengals are a team that have really surprised me. I think they play much more better defense than most people realize. And the Ravens, to me right now, despite all the injuries they suffered in the beginning of the season, look like the best team in the AFC North. I think they're a Super Bowl contender. Lamar Jackson should be in the conversation for MVP. He is playing that good. And this AFC North as a division is just that. Moving on to the last and final segment of today's show, it is about time that we talk about the final undefeated team in the NFL on this podcast. That is right. The Arizona Cardinals are now 6-0 and behind Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and company. They are able to go into Cleveland, into the dog pound, a place which really isn't easy to win, a place which I would consider to be a pretty tough environment. And Arizona, without their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who missed this game due to COVID, is able to go in there and leave 6-0 with the win over the Browns. And a couple things I wanted to say about this game is over the last couple weeks, I've watched Arizona, and each time I watch them, I've been more and more impressed with them. I'll give you guys some background. Going into the season, this Arizona Cardinal team was not a team I was really high on. I looked at them in a very tough NFC West, and even though I won't deny they have always had talent between Kyler Murray, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Chase Edmonds, and James Conner running the ball. They brought in guys like A.J. Green on offense and J.J. Watt on defense, who, to be honest, I didn't really think had much to offer at this point in their respective careers. And Arizona has been able to win all six of their game so far this season, they're sitting at 6-0. and And Arizona last year was interesting because they were a team that after they got off to a really nice start, not as good of a start as this one, they got off to a 3-1 and start. And there were people that were starting to back them and have confidence in them. But as the season went on, you kind of just saw some flaws with this Arizona Cardinal team. Cliff Kingsbury just made some mistakes on a consistent basis in terms of his clock management. Arizona didn't show up to a lot of games they really were supposed to win. Losing a game to the Detroit Lions, losing a game to the Carolina Panthers last year, these were games they should have won. Also, towards the end of the season, they lose at home with Kyler Murray in the lineup to C.J. Beathard. They also lost a win in your in-game week 17 against the Rams and John Wolford, who was starting at quarterback. Kyler Murray actually got hurt and left that game early, and even later uh, in last season, before that game against the Rams, Kyler Murray actually got hurt during that Thursday night football game against the Seattle Seahawks. And it just seemed to me that after his injury, the season wasn't really the same in the first couple weeks of last season, Kyler was actually playing like a possible MVP candidate. But as time went on, uh, those talks kind of dwindled. But he is in that conversation right now. And Arizona is looking to me so far this season 
Like, they're just a much mentally tougher team than they were last year. I mentioned this when we went around the league in NFL Week 6. There aren't many teams in the league that would be able to go into such a tough environment like Cleveland, especially going into the game with a record of 6-0, and when I feel like at this point in the season – the whole league has kind of realized what exactly the Arizona Cardinals have been doing and how great of a start they've gotten off to, that teams are finally starting to realize, like, look, if somehow, some way we're going to be able to beat this team, we have to go into the game ready and prepared and just cannot make any dumb mistakes that could give this game away. And still, Arizona is doing whatever they can to just go, whether it's on the road or at home, and just beat you. And... After Arizona went into SoFi Stadium a couple weeks ago and beat the Rams, that was a really impressive win. That was the first game where it kind of made me realize, like, wow, these Cardinals might be legit. They just went on the road and not only beat the Rams, but quite frankly, kicked the Rams' ass. That game wasn't particularly close. They beat them 37-20. to That was after the Rams ended up getting a late touchdown in that game, and Arizona just dominated that one from start to finish. After that game, however, I looked at a spot for them at home against the San Francisco 49ers. If you remember, that was the last game San Francisco played with being on the bye that week or this week, and Trey Lance ended up starting the game for San Francisco. That was also his first career NFL start. And Arizona won the game. They didn't play their best game, but they were still able to find a way to win. Even when Trey Lance played all right for San Francisco, they made that game a little bit more competitive than most people thought. But even when it was close, Arizona was able to find a way to win. And one consistent opinion you will see with me throughout the NFL season when I'm talking football on this podcast is especially late in the season, especially when you're coming off a monster win like Arizona was against the Los Angeles Rams. If you're able to find a way to win a game, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road, I would even highlight division games as a common case with this. If you're able to win games where you have not played the best football you possibly could. Arizona wasn't really impressive in that game against San Francisco. Yeah, Kyler Murray made a couple nice throws late to DeAndre Hopkins that really iced the game. And if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, that is great news for you going forward that finally, for the first time all year, DeAndre Hopkins is starting to look like that top receiver that we all know he is. He is starting to take over games. I feel like that is another key part what has made the Arizona Cardinals Cardinals to start off this season so good is that they have so many weapons that they could go to that even when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins who we all know is elite he didn't get off to the best start teams were probably putting a priority on stopping him but Arizona has just showed us they have so many different weapons who could beat you between the the rookie Rondell Moore from Purdue. He is one of the more underrated players in the league. I think off the bat, more people need to be talking about him and the speed and the different dynamic he brings to this Arizona Cardinal offense, A.J. Green. They also lose Max Williams, a young tight end, formerly out of the University of Minnesota, played for the Ravens. He was a guy that for the first time in his career, he was making a difference on the offense side of the ball really being a big time target 
for Kyler Murray. He gets hurt, but then the Cardinals are like, all right, we're undefeated. We have to go all in with this season, and they bring in Zach Ertz, the former Super Bowl champion from the Philadelphia Eagles. He was not able to play this week with the fact that he wasn't traded until after the Thursday night game, but he should be back in uniform for the Arizona Cardinals next week. And Arizona's been really impressive. This is a team that they're, I will admit, I totally had my doubts on them going into the season. After what I saw from last year, even though they always had talent, I just wasn't sure if they were going to be mentally tough enough to bounce back from everything that went down last year. There were a lot of things that I would see from Arizona last year, even though they were a young football team, that were just head-scratching mistakes. I mean, losing to C.J. Beathard at home, but they have been able to find a way to make it all up and are sitting at 6-0 right now and are looking like the best team in the NFL. I'm really looking forward to see what they do with the Rams whenever they play next. I'll give you the exact date on that. They will play the Rams in prime time December 13th. In Arizona at home, they also have a big primetime game coming up against the Packers. In a couple Thursdays, they'll uh, go to San Francisco. They will go to Dallas before the season ends. That should be a phenomenal game. Uh, They end the season at home against the Seattle Seahawks. But the Cardinals have been impressive. They were also able to win this game without Chandler Jones. And that's the thing. They're missing guys. They're going through adversity, and they're still finding ways to win games. The Cardinals offense is elite. And it's funny because once again, during that game against the 49ers, I started to question a little bit uh, what Arizona's offense could be like. Hopefully Kyler Murray was healthy, but Arizona has scored over 30 points in five of their last six games. They are fourth in the league in points per game, averaging 32.3. And the Cardinals are seventh in the league in yards per game, with over 4,000 yards in this game against Cleveland. This offense being so dynamic was on full display as Cleveland had allowed under 300 yards of total offense per game from opposing teams. And the Browns really, if you watch them throughout the first couple games of the season, part of the reason why they were able to win that game in Minnesota was that their defense was elite. They were able to really hold a good Viking offense to only seven points. In the game against Chicago, Justin Fields' first game, the Browns offense really shut him down, and that was their formula to win. They also didn't have Nick Chubb in this game. Kareem Hunt throughout the game ended up getting hurt, and Arizona said, look, you're not going to be able to run the ball on us now. We're going to have Baker Mayfield beat us if he wants to, and ultimately that's what worked. Arizona was also able to survive that late Hail Mary attempt by Baker and they ended up converting but that's what has really impressed me with Arizona is that still they are able to deal with adversity and still find ways to win their receivers have been looking good between Hopkins AJ Green Christian Kirk Rondell Moore they've been dominating opposing defenses this year most teams I feel like only have one or two guys that you're legitimately afraid of to beat you now Arizona has about four or five with the addition of of Zach Ertz and even the Cardinals defense without Chandler Jones 
I thought they played as well as they possibly could on Sunday. The Cardinals had five sacks and an interception against Cleveland. They managed to hold the Browns to 14 points, all of which only came in the second quarter. Once again, after that Hail Mary, I was impressed how Arizona didn't panic, especially without their head coach. Cliff Kingsbury has been a guy that I've been very critical of throughout his first couple years in Arizona. I'm not going to deny that. He has always had really good offenses, and he's always been a great offensive mind, but he has had trouble winning games as a head coach. And I think when we look at the Cardinals this year, it could finally change because he has the personnel on both sides of the ball, along with his creativity as a coach that can make this team really good. Arizona's defensive front is one of the best in the league. They force opposing offenses into tough situations to accomplish, like a lot of third and longs, and their defense is able to come up with big plays when they put opposing offenses in vulnerable situations. They controlled a Cleveland offense that had put up 42 points the week before against the Chargers, and we're still able to find a way to win. Arizona right now, I don't know for sure if they're the best team in the NFL, but right now I think you have to say they are. We'll see in January and in February if they're able to keep this up. One slight worry I still have for this team is their style of play. Is that going to be able to keep up when the weather gets cold and we get into the winter? But right now, Arizona is playing, playing some great football. Kyler Murray is right in the MVP conversation. Cliff Kingsbury is right in the Coach of the Year conversation. And shout out to Arizona because they are proving a lot of people wrong. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all the sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.